You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Guys, we're going to have our Bible reading now, so I would love you to give a warm round of applause to Sarah. Sarah, Sarah's actually part of our leadership here this year, yep. and um, so yeah, yeah, pray for her. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Good morning, everyone. So the reading today is Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 to 14, and the words will come on the screen. If you want to find it in your Bibles, there's some Bibles at the back. I tried to look to see which page number it was, but I didn't have my glasses on, I couldn't see. <laughs> okay. So Jeremiah chapter 29. So this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies in you to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Thank you, Sarah. Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. So today I want to introduce our series we're starting next week. In the morning, we'll be looking at the book of Daniel. In the evening, we'll be looking at 1 Peter. But I want to set that up, really, um, because I, I want us to get used to this idea in our walk with Jesus, in our discipleship, about the concept, the idea, the word exile. Exile. This will be an important word and idea for us as a community uh, and in the books of the Bible that we're going to be studying starting next week. So my aim uh, for the rest of this year, it takes up to, to Christmas, is really threefold. Uh, We're going to be going through Daniel and 1 Peter, and as always, we're going to do our best to faithfully teach Scripture. Um, I don't know if you're experiencing this right now, but there's certainly an onslaught in our culture on all things that are truth. And uh, the subtlety of 
of lies that have been sewn and interwoven into the fabric of our culture is, um, is just everywhere. And I think that, that's why we have committed more than ever to um, just teach the Bible. Um, nobody wants to hear just another opinion via me with the Bible as a footnote. We've got to get the word and just teach it as it is. Uh, the context, what is God saying through his word and allow the power and truth of his word to permeate our hearts and to renew our minds. So that's really, really important. Secondly, in that and in through the next uh, couple of months is just to share uh, some of my reflections on the times and the seasons that we live in. Um, prophetically, I suppose, uh, these are some of the reflections that I've had in the last couple of years Uh, especially as we've walked through this pandemic. And as we look at the future of the church, uh, what does this mean for us? What is the era that we're living in? What is the season and the times that we can discern as best as we can as to what God wants to say to us? And thirdly, uh, I I want us to be equipped not just to survive the moment, not just to survive the season we're in, but to thrive in it, to embrace it and to soar, and to thrive, and to prosper in these times that we live in. Uh, we, we, we talk about, as a church family, about this division of home, and, um, and, the, and the one massive aspect of that, because we know that God is home, and church, the family is home, and we're creating rooms in our city to call people home, But something that is on our hearts is to teach the church is that this is not actually our home. And ultimately, we are preparing for a future home. We start off in the garden and we'll end up in the city. And in between, we are traveling through. We're like pilgrims. We're like foreigners, aliens, exiles traveling through this world. And that, that was one of the most powerful reasons that we sensed God had spoken to myself and Joni about building a church on the idea of home. We, we sensed increasingly that followers of Jesus, Christians in our time and generation, would have to learn how to live and thrive as a creative minority. That as we look at our world, as we look at our culture, how best can we be equipped to understand this, that we really do feel like we're pilgrims and strangers walking through this current world, that this isn't our home, that we recognize that the systems and the ways and the values of our current world run so counterculturally to the ways and the principles of the kingdom of God. There are opposite extremes against each other. So, we are in exile in this world. We are a people of exile. We are away from one's home. And in essence, this is different to uh, what is depicted in the Oscar-winning film Nomadland. Has anyone gone see Nomadland? That was, uh, okay, two of you. Um, That was the first film Joni and I went to see as the cinema's Reopened. It's an absolutely stunning, beautiful film. Uh, I really recommend um, you watch it. And it's a film that gives a view of the lifestyle of, of nomads in, uh, in the USA. But these 
people do not have a home. Whereas we do. Christians do have a home. We are exiles alienated from our true home in God's heavenly kingdom. Heaven is our home. And we have been sent as exiles into this world. And if we're immersed in this truth, if we're immersed in the message of the Bible and the message of the gospel, we should be sensitive to a feeling of alienation from the attitudes that prevail in the majority of people and indeed governments. Uh, I liken it to a homesickness. There's a homesickness in our soul because we know heaven is our home. We, we should feel uncomfortable as followers of Jesus when we weren't permitted to gather as the church. That's not normal, that's not right. It is a foretaste, a picture of the church gathered in unity um, in heaven, new heaven and new earth. And so we should feel uncomfortable about that. We should feel uncomfortable when we hear of food mountains alongside starvation, uh, where, where people are without the bare necessities of, of life. That should disturb us in our, in our hearts. We ought to feel awkward when we join the crush of Christmas shoppers when there is no such crush to get into church before Christmas. All such things should make us feel out of place in our current world. Something is amiss. Something is obviously wrong. We're aliens. We're foreigners. We're ambassadors representing another world. We are in this world, but not of this world. This is the kind of language that the Bible uses. And this is made so much more important because we live right now in a post-Christian world and climate. And so the level of discomfort that we sense and we feel is even more. Many years ago, I used to speak in terms of people like Jesus, but they don't like the church. But I'm not sure how many people really like Jesus at the moment. And I say that because I think people like their idea of Jesus. And I was thinking it's a little bit like Mr. Potato Head. We're not too keen on Jesus' nose or his ear or whatever, so we mix it around and we get the Jesus that we like. Uh, Josh was telling me this week that someone who'd come to faith recently in our church um, was reading the Gospels and gave Josh a phone call and said, wow, I'm just reading about the real Jesus. And some of the things he had to say and some of the things that he did, and it's pretty outrageous. And actually, Jesus was incredibly controversial as we read the Gospels. And really, this shouldn't take us off guard because the thrust of the Bible is teaching God's people how do we live away from our true home? How do we live away from our true home? We're temporarily here. We feel in many respects, unwelcome. We're at odds with the world. There's more tension with us and the wider culture that we live in. Walter Brueggemann said this, exile is the experience of knowing that one is an alien and perhaps even in a hostile environment where the dominant values run counter to one's own. Hostile environment where the dominant values run counter to one's own. 
And in the, the first century church, we read about in the book of Acts, um, there was lots of tension. Christians were persecuted. They were in the minority. Um, they were amongst um, living in a pagan empire. Many beliefs, the worship of Caesar was made paramount. And I really believe that right now, Christians, particularly in the Western world, particularly right where we are now, that this is our era. That this is our era. And I don't know about you, but I sense this. I, I feel it in my heart. I sense it in the conversations that I have with people in the institutions. Uh, there's a shift, and, and the pandemic, I think, has accelerated this, whether that's through the media, an acceleration in liberal churches, on views on sex, in schools, uh, conversations on the streets. In AD 313, the Emperor Constantine decreed toleration for Christians. And, and, and we entered an era called Christendom. So Christian teaching and values kind of got official uh, sanction, if you like, at a high level. And for 1,700 years in the Western world, we have lived with that mindset, a Christendom culture. Just speak to, say, when I used to speak to my grandparents, um, the Sunday school movement, that was where people went. They rang the church bells in the town and people actually went to church. Okay, you ring the bells now and nothing happens. And so we're living in a different world. And in the West, this is over. And people are trying to find their way out of this. Many Christians around the world, particularly in the West, are trying to find their way out of this. And particularly, I think we've seen this in COVID, where many churches, and it's an impossible task for pastors to try and navigate churches through this, but I, I sense that people are, are, are grappling they're grasping at, what, what are you saying, God? Like, they're, they're here one minute, they're there another next. You know, God, what are you saying in this season, in this time? But in essence, church, we are exiles. But this, I believe, is good news. This is great news for us. Let me give you one example from history in the last century. In China, I remember picking up a, a newspaper many years ago, and at the front of the newspaper, I think it was the Times, was talking about how there are now millions upon millions of Christians in China. And in 1948, Chinese communists took over China, and um, there was huge, huge persecution and restriction on church, and they tore down the church buildings. But it turns out, interestingly, um, that they were an agent of the Lord God Almighty because they created one of the largest house church movements which were a thousand, thousand times more effective than sending missionaries over to China with the gospel. So thanks to Mao, we have one of the largest and fastest growing churches in the world, underground meeting in houses, people coming to faith every day by their tens of thousands in the midst of persecution. And we can highlight many other countries that are going through this. The fastest growing church right now is in Iran. 
which is extraordinary because if you listen to the, the, the news media and what the picture that's being painted there, you wouldn't think that. The underground church is seeing a revival. So right now, as we are in this era and we're thinking about these things, I'm asking questions like, who am I? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in this era? What does it mean to uh, be a church in this era? Um, how will this affect our children? Is probably the most important thing that keeps me up at night. How will this affect our children in a generation? Next 25, 50, 75 years, what does it mean for them? But God, I believe, is at work like never before. Our lives now are more like the times of Daniel, which is one of the reasons we're studying Daniel, and the early church, where faith isn't assumed. We're not in control. We're we're often not respected. And there's certainly no free rides for faith. And if if we're experiencing this right now and encountering this, here are some classic responses from the church, from followers of Jesus. Number one, we fight to go back. We're in a post-Christian era. Let us fight to go back to Christendom. Let us us fight for everything that we have. And and often the answer uh, in that respect lies politically. If we can just change things politically, then we get more of God into our systems and into our structures. And often there's, a, there's an aggression there with followers of Christ. And I think it's often centered on people's rights over our responsibilities to people and to God. So many churches right now are fighting. They're fighting the onslaught of what is happening and they're fighting to go back. And it's often tied up maybe in... Um, politics or in the law. Secondly, and most commonly, I think, is that people are resolving this by accommodating and imitating. Accommodating and imitating. So let's remove the stumbling blocks that people have to faith and to Jesus. Let's do everything we can to remove any stumbling blocks that we have. Let's influence the Babylonians so to speak, by becoming one. And that is really um, an interesting time that we're in in terms of that. And, and people are getting on board with that because we know that um, people are often intolerant of other people's perspectives. And we've seen this in this emergence of cancel culture and woke culture that if you don't do what I say or agree with me, then you are cast out. But the problem with this is that Christ becomes merely a good person, not one who actually saves us from our own corruption. That the problem of the human heart is is the human heart. It's, It's here. It's within all of us. And often we see um, with some great things regarding social justice and compassion, things that if you um, cut us down the middle as a church, we bleed this stuff, and and you can see that in our culture and the things that we commit to. But um, it is not the expense of sharing the gospel. 
is that um, we want to introduce people to Jesus and see them born again, filled with the Holy Spirit and affecting and influencing their culture. Now, these churches, I think we're increasingly seeing are empty because they're following trends, not following Christ. And I heard once, uh, one person once say this, if you're just like everyone else, why get out of bed on a Sunday morning? What, what is the point? What is the difference? Why do we do what we do if we just want to assimilate and imitate everybody else? The next thing is people run away. Christians are so intimidated by what they're seeing is they just run away. And I don't know about you, but as a apologist, I have days like that. Does anyone just want to kind of run to the hills and just think, I just can't cope often with what, is, uh, what I'm seeing here. But Christians and churches form subcultures. And I'm, I'm not um, having a go at, at aspects of this because I think there's some really redemptive and beautiful uh, things to uh, things like monasteries and, uh, and various other things. But a lot of people's theology is about escaping the reality and truth of Scripture that we're called to be exiles, we're called to make a difference. And so um, we kind of make these subcultures. So I, th- I think I heard that somewhere there's like a Christian Yellow Pages equivalent. And, uh, or, you know, we've got Christian TV, or let's make all our schools Christian. Whatever we can do to form subcultures that can help us survive the world that we live in. But I don't think any of these truly, truly work. We're called to influence, but in certain kingdom ways. In Acts 17, um, there's a beautiful passage there about how God has determined and set the times and places that we should live. In other words, this set time that we live in right now, especially um, in light of uh, being in a pandemic, is that we were chosen by God to be in this era, by God's sovereign design. God raises nations and empires and he tears them down. But the church, which he is building, Jesus is building, we are born for such a time as this. We are it. On our, on, on a, on a, even on a good day, we may not feel like we're up to the challenge. But I want to encourage you in the next few months to really understand and grasp that you were born for this time. You were born to be a kingdom influencer in your neighborhood, in your community of work, wherever you do life to make a difference. That we don't curse the darkness, but we be the light of Jesus emanating through us. We turn the light on. We don't complain about what's happening all around us. We just be the light of the world. And I believe this era in God's sovereignty, this change is from God because I think it's, it's one of those moments where faith has to become real or we just die spiritually. I, I think we've seen this um, in incredible ways in the last couple of years where the pain of the pandemic, for instance, has caused people to wake up and say, is my faith really real or is it counterfeit as God has done a sifting is, is this stuff real to me am I willing to, to die for Jesus and 
my faith. But I really believe that this change is from God, that our God is in control and we do not need to be afraid and we do not need to be shaken. And Daniel and 1 Peter will help us to navigate this. And so I just want to, as by means of introduction, just give you uh, four P's, four pillars from Jeremiah 29 that I think um, we will see uh, that can help us uh, in preparation for this new era. Uh, so the first thing is this. He talks about in, that, in those opening verses about building houses and settling down. And that speaks to me about being planted. I think if we want to thrive and embrace being exiles in this post-Christian era, in the times that we live in, we need to be planted. We need to be planted. We need to dig deep roots. We, we need to be known for perseverance and longevity and faithfulness. We're not to be up and down. I, I was reflecting on this and thinking about a, a, something in the newspaper many years ago I saw was a, a picture of a tornado and um, in, in one of the states in the USA. As you incredible tornado in the picture and then in front of it is a guy just mowing his lawn backwards and forwards I'm like are you, are you mad just get out of there but, it, it, but I really felt like the Lord speak to me about that in that we're just called to faithfully mow the lawn and mow your neighbor's lawn while you're at it just mow the lawn just do diligently what God has called you to do, just build the wall that's in front of you. Just take it step by step. Celebrate process and journey rather than event. Don't live between these extreme moments of breakthrough and breakdown, but just live in the middle. That is where revival is lived out. Every single day, us showing up for Jesus for our spouses, for our families, for our work, for our neighborhood, for our community, for our church. It doesn't sound spectacular, but I really believe being planted in life, that stability causes you to thrive. Be content where you are, not where you'd like to be. The way I'm, I'm wired, I'm probably drive the staff insane, is I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm someone who... It's always about the next thing. You know, I'm, I'm rarely satisfied, if I'm honest. And so there's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit going on in my life about being content where you are, enjoying where you are, enjoying every single day, being faithful with the little. And so I want to encourage you that I really believe that um, where people are trying to make massive decisions right now are, are saying, look, I need to do this, I need to move here, move there, and I need to get a different job. And, and some of that may be really true for us if that's what the Holy Spirit is saying, but I believe a lot of us just need to be planted. We need to be salt and light that people in our communities need stability and persons of peace right now. They don't need more chaos and anxiety, but we need to be a non-anxious presence in our world, in our communities. And so I think being planted really helps as to do that. I think the second thing you see in the text is a commitment to prayer. To prayer. And um, this is something that we're going to be talking a little bit over the next coming weeks about 
a culture of prayer in the church. Um, this week, our, well, hopefully for Wednesday, you'll be able to see our prayer room that we have, uh, we have created in the church. And we really hope that that is kind of like a prophetic statement to our church that we're committed to creating a culture of prayer. Not just a structure of prayer, not just like, hey, we should have one or two prayer meetings to, as wonderful as they are, to tick a box, but actually, we're a, we're a house of prayer. This is just who we are. This is what we do. And, it, and it's, 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 help, it's, it's happening everywhere in our region. The people in our church from all over the place are praying, praying on their own. They're praying in twos and threes. They're praying in homes. They're praying in the church building. There's corporate gatherings of prayer, all these different things. That this is a time to seek God in our time and in our day. Our world needs our prayers. Our community needs our prayers. We need prayer to shape us and our hearts. We need prayer to walk in the impossible. Our kids need our prayers. That is so, so important. Our kids need the prayers of the church. The third thing is to seek peace. And what's so fascinating about that time in Jeremiah is that the Babylonians tore down churches and they, they killed your relatives. But the, the word of the Lord there is to seek peace. Stay planted, even though there's turmoil and persecution and pain and suffering unbearable. Stay planted, pray, and seek peace. We need to be radical peacemakers in our times of division. It talks about Matthew 10, we're to be persons of peace, proclaiming God's peace on whole households. We, we are to have our feet readied to be bringers of the gospel of peace. And we'll see this um, a lot in, in Daniel. But one of the most fascinating things about Daniel is that he was just a great servant, a great servant. And so we don't fight the culture that we're in right now, but we're here and we're here to seek peace and to serve people. I think one of the most amazing kingdom things uh, where we see multiplication and fruit in an incredible way in our church context right now is because of our commitment to serving people with radical generosity through compassion. And so be bringers of the gospel. We're to be uh, missional. We are missionaries in this era. And fourthly and finally, we're to be prophetic. It talks about seeking the prosperity of the city. We're not to assimilate the values and the ways of the world, but we're to embrace the tension of being in the world but not of it. And that, is, that is, can be a difficult place to be, to embrace that tension, to live in this world, but to be different from it. Not to run away, not to assimilate, but to be in it, but be the change that we want to see, to be the difference, to enter into people's worlds, but not to compromise, to exemplify the culture that we're trying to create and that we have vision for and dreams for. 
So I really believe that we're called to be a prophetic people in our time, to point our community, to point our world to Jesus and to truth and to thrive in these days. So in conclusion, let me just say this. I really believe as a, as a movement, as a vineyard church, prophetically, these are actually our best days. You know, many, many years ago when Vineyard first came on the scene, I think for many people, they thought the Vineyard was a little bit odd and um, a little bit peculiar and like we didn't quite fit. And um, there may be some truth to that, I'm not sure, but uh, I think we are made, in fact, I know we are made for this era, that we are made for such a time as this and our commitment to be marked by generosity, our commitment to be marked by compassion, our commitment to be used at any time, any place for the kingdom to come to serve radically in the empire. And we see this in Jesus. He was an exile from heaven, which was his home into our world. And we need to do likewise. That in our daily lives, in our working lives, we make the invisible visible in our world. We'll be authentic, we'll serve a cause greater than ourselves, we'll create missional community, we'll practice radical hospitality, we will work righteously as God's apprentice children. I believe this is where we come, as it were, into our element, into our own as a community. If we are humble and we always remember to stay on our knees before the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.